turn with me. Our main passage today is going to be in the book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 4, and we're going to be reading verses 6 and 7. If you would, if you can, stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. We're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And you may be seated. All right, guys, so you probably know the drill by now. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be asking, what does God have to say to us in the passage that we're looking at today? We're going to go through it uh, phrase by phrase or maybe even word by word at times. Uh, So we're going to start in verse 6. The apostle tells us, be anxious for nothing. Now, I think God has a lot of comfort and encouragement for us in this passage. This is something in the times that we live in, the situation that we're all going through, that we all need to hear. Paul tells us, be anxious for nothing. Worry about nothing. We're going to trust God instead. Uh, I think everybody here would probably acknowledge that they've been at least a little bit anxious, at least a little bit worrisome here lately. I know that I certainly have. There's been plenty to be worried about. You don't have to look far in any direction to find something. Uh, Our pastor is sick. We don't know when he'll be back. Uh, That's created much uncertainty in our church. We're going to discover what our church is made of as a result of that. We can look at our families, our churches, our jobs. We can look at our economy. We can look at prices. We can look at our nation. We can look at our safety and protection that we have. Guys, we've got plenty to worry about. And I don't know every little thing that you have, but I know that every one of you has specific personal situations that cause you worry. And you need to hear today that the Apostle Paul tells us, be anxious for nothing. And not only does he tell us that, but Jesus expands on this teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. If you will, turn with me to our next passage in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 25. If you have your Bibles, I'll give you a second to get over there. So this is Jesus preaching a sermon. He starts in verse 25. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All right. 
So Jesus agrees with the Apostle Paul. He tells us not to worry. Now, I understand 100%. That is a very, very easy thing to say. That is a much, much harder thing to do. That's one of those things that you say it in church and everybody will say amen and they walk out the doors and all of a sudden that's all gone. The real world is not as easy as just saying that I'm not going to worry in church. I taught a Bible study on worry at one point in time. Uh, Not a textual study like we have today. I just went through a bunch of verses about worry. Uh, Should we worry? What should we do when we're worried? Those types of things. And while we were discussing after the, the lesson was over, everything that I had taught was dismissed immediately. It just went directly out the window. Uh, every single one of them basically just said, well, you're going to worry. Uh, what, what's the point? Uh, as if I hadn't just spent the last hour trying to tell them what the point was of why they shouldn't worry. But why is that? Well, it seems impossible. It just seems like that's just too much. Jesus is just asking too much of us. How can any of us ever actually do that? Not say it. How do we actually do it? Well, Paul tells us today not just how we say it, but how we actually do it. Things that might seem impossible for us might not necessarily be impossible. We need to know that with God, all things are possible. And we have to stop looking to ourselves for the answers. We have to start looking to Him instead. In our passage here, it says He feeds the birds of the air, He clothes the lilies of the field. Does God not know how to care for us just as well as He cares for them? Is He not able to provide for us in the same ways that He provides for them? So church, if you agree with that, if you say amen, God knows, amen, God is able, then why do you worry? Why are we so anxious? Why are we so scared of the things that are coming in the future? Can it add one foot to your height or one hour to your life? Does it do you any good? Are you accomplishing anything by it? Now, those separated from God probably should worry. I'll grant you that. They don't have a provider. They don't have a protector. They don't have hope in a future. Are we no different than them? Do we have no faith, no trust? We have the creator of all the earth that hears us when we come to pray to him. Scripture says if we will trust him with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, that he will direct our paths. He will guide us. With him as our pastor, I can confidently say with the psalmist that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Jesus goes on. In verse 33, he gives us one of my favorite commandments, one that I've talked about over and over and over again. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek his kingdom, his righteousness. You let him worry about the rest. Let him be God and let us be men. Let's fulfill the role that we've been put in. He goes on from there and he says that sufficient for today is its own trouble. We need to focus on what's right in front of us. You can't change tomorrow. Tomorrow's not in your hand. You can't affect how things are going to change between now and then. It doesn't mean that we neglect our responsibilities, that we don't care about our work, or that we don't take care of our families. Jesus isn't here uh, condoning laziness or idleness or carelessness. We can do all of those things with full faith and trust in God, and that's what he's commanding us to do. We have to be able to say with the author of Hebrews, the Lord is my helper, what can man do to me? 
We can't let our hearts be troubled by every care imaginable, every difficulty that comes along, because we, church, each and every one of you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we want to go on from there. I asked a question earlier. I said, how do we actually do this? Can we actually follow the commandment that the apostle is giving us? Well, in our main text, he doesn't just give us a, a thou shalt not. He tells us exactly how we're supposed to do what he's told us to do. If you look at the second half of verse 6, he says, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Right? This is the alternative route. This is the other road, the different way. How do you avoid anxiety? He tells us right here. He says that we take it to God in prayer. Now, I'm not even going to attempt to tell you everything that the Bible says about prayer. You can just take my word for it. It is a lot. It is everywhere. There is instruction all over the place. There are examples all over the place. It is the, one of the key themes in all of Scripture. It is one of our greatest responsibilities. This right here, the prayer that he's talking about is what will take your worry away. What he says will give you peace. I've struggled here personally. I understand the difficulties that come with prayer. I understand that it's not always as easy to do as it is to say. I never really ever prayed for about my entire childhood and early adulthood. Uh, things like studying the Bible came naturally to me. That was something that, I mean, the day that I was saved, I was ready to go. Prayer was much more difficult. It's something that doesn't come to everybody naturally. I had so many questions when I came to the faith. What is prayer? What isn't prayer? How do I pray? Who, who do I pray to? What, what am I doing? How do I get prayer answered? Uh, it was something that was a lot to wade through. And today, I want to cut out a lot of that complexity. I want to give you a few foundational things and a few of the key teachings that Jesus gives us about prayer to get us started in this direction so that we as a church can become a praying church. First of all, what is prayer? You'll see it in verse 6. He says, let your requests be made known to God. I think that's a pretty good start. It's offering up your prayers and desires to God. What should we pray for? He tells us. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication. In everything. Some people have defended the idea that we should be picky about what we take to God. God's not worried about the little things. We need the big stuff. We need to take to him the big things that really matter. Salvation, those sorts of things. I don't think that's what Paul tells us here. I think he tells us right here that if anything is serious enough to cause you anxiety, to cause you worry, to rob your peace, that's important enough for you to take it to God in prayer. He cares about those things. He's pleased with those things. First uh, Peter 5, 7 says, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. Uh, there's no appendix after that that says, as long as the prayer meets all of these qualifications. Right? You cast your cares upon the Lord. And like I think we always should do, I'd like to take a look at what Jesus said on the subject. If you'll turn back with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5. We're going to read verses 5 to 8. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, 
that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. All right, so Jesus teaches us here something that I think a lot of people don't think to ask. He tells us what prayer is not. This is where people are screwing prayer up. Prayer is not a performance. It's not something that you do to impress people, to look good in front of people, so people uh, step back and say, wow, look how spiritual this man is. Uh, That's not what we're trying to do. Jesus says that's the prayer of hypocrites. They have their reward. It isn't just vain repetitions. It's not just empty words that you repeat, no matter how pretty the words may be. Uh, What does that mean? He tells us. God does not hear you on the basis of how long you drone on and on and on and on. Uh, The model prayer that we see here in just a minute can be said in a few seconds, the prayer that Jesus gives us. I'm not saying that you can't pray for long periods of time. There are times where Jesus prayed all night. I'm saying if you think that just because I spent X number of time in prayer that God's going to hear me, that's not the case. He says God's not going to hear you because of your many words. And then furthermore, he tells us that God knows what you need. Have you ever thought about that before? God knows. We're not informing him. We're not giving him data that he didn't have before. God knows what you need. Prayer is about us expressing those needs. It's not about teaching God something that he doesn't already know. If you'll go with me to the next few verses, we're going to read verses 9 to 13. Jesus says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So Jesus goes on, he instructs us, he's told us, here's how you shouldn't pray. Here's what prayer is not. Then he goes on and he says, this is how you should pray. He tells us who we're praying to, that we're praying to our loving, providing Father. He tells us to ask that his name be hallowed, be kept holy, that he receives the glory, the worship, the honor that he deserves. He prays that his kingdom would come, both through us spreading the gospel now and in the future when he returns. He prays that we would... Oh, sorry, lost, lost my place there for a minute. He prays that his will would be done in our lives, our family lives, our churches, that his will would be done on earth. He prays that he would provide for his needs in giving him his daily bread. It's perfectly acceptable for you to ask God to put bread on your table. And it's perfectly acceptable for you to thank God for that. He says that we should pray for forgiveness of our sins. Scripture says that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we will confess them. He says that we should pray to be kept from temptation in the evil one, uh, protecting us from temptation, keeping us pure. And finally, that we should praise his kingdom and power and glory forever. Now, there is, there is much, much that could be said there. I understand that we just kind of skimmed along the surface. Jesus, his teaching is different from anybody that I have ever heard before in that he can say so 
much in so few words. We could turn that one little prayer that he just said into an entire series of sermons if we wanted to. Everything that he says is so deep. It's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And I hope that you benefit from hearing his word today. It is worth your time to go through the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And I recently in this very room received some good advice on prayer from uh, Brother Rob Long teaches Sunday school in here. Uh, And with that, I'd like to go to our next verse. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Where he says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What Mr. Long had said was that we should come, and we should come as if we are coming into the throne room of Almighty God. That is how we should imagine ourselves. How should we approach him? He tells us right there. And not only are we coming into the throne room, we're to do so boldly, confidently. And I want to read one more scripture to you guys real quick. I know this is getting kind of dense, but this is important uh, to see kind of what that is like. If you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to read the first few verses. Isaiah 6, 1 to 5. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We, just like Isaiah, can enter the throne room, but we don't have to say, I'm a man of unclean lips. We can go in boldly with full confidence that the blood of the only Son of God, Jesus Christ, has cleansed us from all sin. We can go into the throne room of Almighty God. We can stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will dispense his mercy and his grace to us. I mean, what what an honor is that? How unworthy we are to have that. What a blessing. What a responsibility that we have. Scripture tells us so much about prayer, and I want to stress that. Uh, If you don't know much about prayer... You just do you a topical Bible study about prayer. You will find plenty. You will find all the information that you could ever need. I I can't give it all to you today. It's not possible. But I do think that we should at least kind of survey the field a little bit. We should know the, the most important things. When should we pray? The Bible tells us when to pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, Pray without ceasing. In Romans 12, 12, it says to pray constantly. Colossians 4, 2, it says to be steadfast in prayer. This is to be a mark of our lives. To be a Christian is to be a praying man or woman. We are to pray for all men, not just ourselves. It's not just something where we're seeking our own good. 1 Timothy 2 says that we're to pray for all men because God desires that all would be saved. In 1 John chapter 5, it says anything that we ask in his will, he hears. We have all kinds of promises attached to prayer. We're told it will move mountains. We're told it will do things that, are, that will seem impossible. 
So we're told in Luke eleven nine, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. And when troubles, afflictions, and worries arise, you take those things to your Father. Seek Him in prayer. Never let prayer be a burden. Prayer is not a burden. Prayer is where you get rid of your burdens. Prayer is a gift that God has given to us. And in our main text, the Apostle Paul, he adds something to the fact that we should pray, that we should let our requests be made known. In verse 6, he says, With thanksgiving, let your request be made known. We always, always have blessings that we should be thanking God for. We never focus on those things as much as we could. And Paul full well followed his own advice. In Acts chapter 16, he sang praises to God while he was locked in prison. Now, we have to ask if we would do the same. We should never come to prayer without a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. Take your mind from your problems, your worries, and put them on the blessings that God has given you. If you've never counted your blessings, you should, because it will make you realize how good God has been in your life. We can become so overcome with concern for our needs that we don't notice what God has already given to us. When we pray for the sick, do we remember those that God's already healed? A lot of times I don't. When we pray for travel mercies, do we thank Him for all of the safety that He's given us in the past? When we're guilt-stricken and we want to pray for forgiveness, do we praise Him for making a way to be saved? We should. This is not something that's situation-dependent. It's not something that you thank God, you give Him thanks whenever you're on the mountaintop, when everything is going good. The real test is what you do when you're in the valley. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks. Even when you're persecuted, even during trials, even if you were to suffer for righteousness' sake, to be persecuted and abused, you are blessed, church. They might mean it for evil, but God is going to work everything together for good. Now, do you believe that? Scripture says that. If you really believe that, that will change your life. You will never be the same. You will never live the same. You will never look at struggles the same. You will know with full assurance that God is working all things together for the good of those that love Him. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but in His time. Don't let your heart be filled with complaints, with murmurings against God. Abound in thanksgiving. That's the life that we should be living. And finally, I'd like to talk to you about the result of this. Paul tells us, don't be anxious. Instead, pray. Why? Well, what, what, are we, what are we promised when we pray to God? You'll see in verse 7 it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In Christ we have peace. And it starts with peace with God. Romans 5.1 says that being justified by faith we have peace with God. Every soul that rests on Him in prayer has this. It's available nowhere else. The peace of Christ isn't like that of the world. It's not based on temporary things or fleeting circumstances. A sure faith and an unshakable hope will never leave you. Peace is a quiet, restful soul. Isaiah 26 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, 
It's something that passes all understanding. You, you can't even comprehend it. If you've never experienced it, there's no way that you could understand. If you have experienced it, there's no way that you could express it. It's an experience. It's something that you have to feel to live. But someday, every fear will melt away if you will give them to God. Scripture says there's no peace for the wicked, but it also says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, I tell you that in this passage, the Apostle Paul is telling you, Come unto me, all ye that fret and worry, and I will give you peace. God is offering that today. And I want you to know, finally, that this is not just a present reality. Verse 7 says that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. One of the great truths of Scripture is that God doesn't just bless us, He also keeps us. What does it mean to be kept? It means to be guarded, to be protected. Uh, it's a, a military term, like you think a, a group of soldiers defending something. He says the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. It's not something that we do on our own. It's not something that comes from our strength. It's something that God offers to us. A life of prayer and a life of anxiety are incompatible with each other. One will drive the other one away because the peace that God gives you is not to be kept with anxiety. It guards both our hearts and our minds, all of us, our feelings, our thoughts, uh, emotions, passions, whatever it may be. No matter what trouble attacks any of them, no matter what, God's peace always guards you. Seek first his kingdom and these things will be added to you. You cannot fall if he upholds you. And the Bible tells us that nothing will separate us from the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want to read one final passage to you today before we dismiss. It's going to be Psalm chapter 4, verse 8, where the psalmist says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Rest is available to all of those that are protected by him. He is in control. He's on the throne. He's the one that holds tomorrow. He's surprised by nothing. He's working all things together. So as we go through the rest of the week, I ask you to remember what we've talked about today. You're going to have opportunities to worry. You're going to have opportunities to become depressed or anxious. You give all of your cares to God. Go to Him in prayer with thanksgiving. And this verse says that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Remember to thank Him for all of the blessings that He's given you. And if you don't know that peace, you can. Guys, if anybody needs anything, if anybody needs to talk or pray or whatever the situation may be, I'm always here. Jason will be here. If anybody needs anything, if there's any way that we can help you, just come to us. That's all I have for you today, guys. But we're going to go ahead and pray out and be dismissed. Should have enough time to, to beat the Awanas kids out there. All right. Does anybody want to pray us out? Go ahead.